Hey everyone, I'm Brian Conley of Hunters HD Gold, and you're listening to Season 2 of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. This podcast takes a deep dive into what it takes to be a match director, manufacturer, sponsored shooter, or just an everyday shooter trying to win his or her first major. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. Welcome back to another episode of Hunter's HD Go Behind the Lens. Today I'm sitting down with a friend of mine I met a, two or three years ago named Riley Bowman, who does the Concealed Carry Podcast. How you doing, man? I'm very well, thank you. Man, I listen to your podcast all the time. It, I really, you know, one of the first podcasts I found along with Arx and other people that were doing, you know, yep. talking about shooting and things and Steve Anderson. And the list goes on and on now that, of ones I listen to. But before we get into what you're doing with the podcast and everything, when, when did you even think about getting into this um, hobby that has may become your sport now that we'll talk about. What does that look like for you? Yeah. Uh, about oh, a little more than a decade ago, I started getting into shooting a little bit more seriously. I'd been shooting for much of my life, but uh, became an instructor, did some law enforcement work for a time. A couple of years, I was in a, a statewide reserve. And then, um, yeah, you know, seven years ago, this kind of became more my profession. So okay. uh, I joined forces with my current business partner. Uh, concealedcarry.com and mm-hmm. business just kept growing and growing and growing and we added the the concealed carry podcast right and now we've added other things we got a whole bunch of brands now that we own and manage and well let's back up a little yeah. then when did you where did you where were you born i was born in idaho idaho so is that where you started shooting at, at a very young age what did that yeah. look like yeah was your were you big yeah, hunter it was, more that of, area? it was more of a family thing you know okay. uh, my my uncles my grandpa We'd go camping or whatever family mm-hmm. activities. I remember getting lessons from my uncle uh, at probably five or six years old. Oh wow! And uh, my grandpa too, you know. And mm-hmm. Funny story, dude. I remember being like eight or nine years old, and I got a ball stuck up in the tree. And this is out in the boonies, you know. So okay. there's nothing, nothing unsafe about this necessarily because there was nothing going to the west for many, many miles. <laughs> my grandpa's like, he's like, I can get that ball down, and he gets a twenty-two, you know, Ruger Mark three twenty-two, and just poof. And shoots the branch off that ball was stuck. Oh, we shot on. the branch. Okay, <laughs> so down comes the ball. And so that's kind of you know that was that was that was my life you know as a youngin. And uh, yeah, yeah, I moved to Colorado 13 years ago. Right. So from Idaho. So yeah. you lived in Idaho all that where everything was a nice you no know, go hunting, no big deal. Guns weren't an issue. No no major kind of restrictions. And then all of a sudden you move to the beautiful state, <laughs> a beautiful beautiful state. Of Colorado, where everything might have changed a little bit. Well, and it changed while I've been there. So when I moved okay. there, it was still, I would say it was a purple state for sure. I mean, I think we had just come off uh, of having a, a a Republican governor. And ever since then, everything's been blue. Uh, laws start changing. Mm. To, well, it was the Aurora Theater shooting, shooting unfortunately, right? right? And that kind of kicked everything off in 2012, 2013, thereabouts. Right. And that's when everything changed. Went from being... Uh, very to a friendly state at that point mm-hmm. to less so. Do you see that being able to go back like it was? Are people frustrated mm-hmm. or is it is it people that, you know, Boulder we know is just a huge nightmare. I mean, they they've gone as far as saying no no sporting rifles, you know, uh, uh, you know, of Armor Light or anybody uh, the AR platform is even allowed yeah. to other states, other cities, excuse me, that you know, I've been to Eaton before and it wasn't a big deal and I went down the Grand Junction, it's not a big deal, but now everything's being pushed in a different way where it's becoming a, even a bigger deal than it was. But do you see a situation where 
this can change? I mean, is it, or is this, is this California has moved into Colorado and this is what it's going to be? Mm. I mean, because it, yeah. it's a lot. There, I mean, there is a lot of frustration there, by especially the, the OG folks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the natives, if you will, uh, they're very much freedom loving. You know, it, 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 the state has changed because of primarily people have moved into the state mm-hmm. from a lot of locations. Uh, you know, the Denver market was one of the fastest growing as far as move-ins right. uh, for the better part of a decade. And well, when you have like 20,000 people a month moving into the Denver metro area for like Six, seven years straight. 20,000 like people that. a bunch. Yeah. Wow. Was the yeah. growth, were they, the growth, was it, was the housing already ready for that kind of growth or are they building houses like crazy? They've been building houses like crazy ever since I've been there. That's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot. And they still are. Wow. Do you know, have you been able to have conversations with local leaders? About yeah. what you do yeah. for a living, to you know, as and use, use as a sport, so we can educate people better. What does that look there, like? There, there have been some of those conversations had, uh, and we certainly have some some good friends, you know, in in the state legislature and local government. In all honesty, uh, where I live, I'm in Jefferson County, Colorado, which is a pretty even split demographically and, and politically speaking. Uh, we've you know we've got a great sheriff, for instance, there. Okay. You know? very conservative he's you know done a lot of really great things uh like for instance uh in colorado by state statute they can charge up to 152 dollars and 50 cents for a concealed carry permit our sheriff came in and he slashed that right um he's done some other similar things so like there's there's good things on the local level at times uh but there's 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 some challenges and there's definitely i've my actual state representative right now does not want to talk to me or anybody like me really yeah, she's so far like anti-gun, all that. Like, wants nothing that you know doesn't doesn't care. Want to like, take your phone call, kind of thing. Mm, I haven't tried in a while. Okay, <laughs> but, no, <laughs> but I but well, I've tried to talk to her before. Right, I didn't want to have any conversation. So, wow, is she a native of Colorado? Or do you know? Uh, I think she was born there, but then mm-hmm. left and then came back. Left and came back. Well, we can probably guess what two areas she probably went to <laughs> to come back. <laughs> well, you know, because let's, let's talk about a little current events yeah. then, because what's happening now in in um, Florida, mm-hmm. the governor, you know, got rid of a um, attorney general for mm-hmm. not wanting to, you know, interpret and enforce the law. Yeah. And this is setting precedent now for, you know, a lot of sheriffs are probably looking at their state constitution because if the governor comes in and sees this as a in, in Florida and all of a sudden get a Democratic governor in Florida and they can go after the sheriffs who aren't enforcing the law, mm-hmm. is that out there? And some state constitutions may allow that. So I'm sure, you know, everybody was excited to see, you know, the governor of Florida stand up mm-hmm. for that. And also, but there's also a flip side of the coin about that as well. Do you know how that works in, in Colorado? It, has it been talk about that as well based on the news locally? Or is that something that's happened so recently, I, you know, it hasn't really been able I, to I search into yet? I think that's really on the radar okay. right now as far as, especially when we're talking about gun laws. Okay. Um, we have the majority, but large majority of Colorado sheriffs, uh, and, and if we just, you know, are frank about it with respect to the magazine capacity law, stuff like that, yes. like they're, they're pretty, um, you know, like they, they, 
they're on the record of not wanting to enforce stuff like that. And right. partly because the way the law is written is pretty difficult to enforce. That's correct. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it, I think, I think where we're at, at least from what I'm observing is mainly, you know, we're just letting things be what they are and not trying to do too much there right. or shake too many things out of trees. Um, uh, but, you never know. Things can change, right? It can. Priorities can change. It, it can because that was a thing that happened. Colorado used to not be a big deal at all. And then when they required the extra, you know, signatures at mm-hmm. the bottom of the forms and stuff like that, at, at Cameo, for an example, mm-hmm. that was a game changer because yeah. then that made everything. Nobody wants to, you know, commit perjury. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that was the thing. But it wasn't like that, you know, two or three years prior to that when they were, you know, everything mm-hmm. going. So it's just one of those things that's, it's, it's, it's interesting to see because it's disappointing. I mean, there's lots of people, you know, there's a side of the board that says we shouldn't be holding matches in unfriendly states. Mm-hmm. But we know, I see that there's plenty of matches in unfriendly states. Like, for example, we'll go back to California. Lots of matches, lots of gun owners. And if you're not in one of the four major cities, it's red mm-hmm. <laughs> everywhere. Mm-hmm. And with everything changing like that, you know, even in, you know, Grand Junction, which is another area that's really not a problem at all, but the state is getting so much involved. It's just really, really frustrating. Do you, do you know, do you, have you had any conversation with anybody there at Cameo since all this has happened? Not since it's happened. Right. I mean, I've talked to Walt and some of those guys out there, you know, in the past, and there's been some great matches that have been run out of that mm-hmm. facility. Um, I shot a number of them, you know, I just shot Colorado state not that long ago there right. and uh great facility. And there was, Never an issue. And then all of a sudden there was. Right. Do you think it's a matter of time before it becomes an issue more? Or do you think this is something that can die just based on not being recognized? I, I think that most it? people don't care enough to make it an issue. Okay. So yeah. I didn't, that sometimes if the, you know, the can has been open and everything comes out, it's hard to put everything back in the can again. So I didn't I mean, know. We'll, we'll see yeah. what the next legislative session brings in the, you know, the start of 2023. I know there's going to be, uh, at least that's my understanding, there should be a push again to try to at least get some exemptions for, right. uh, you know, competitors and things like that coming in. Um, and I hope at the very least something like that could, t- could occur. Right. It'd be a shame to see a facility like Cameo not able to really live up to its uh, full potential right. as a facility. Because, I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible range uh, well, that you can do just about anything you want to do at. If you hear about something going on like that and they need people to talk in front of the um, the state or whatever, if they need some even talk from or they need to hear from people that aren't competitors that are vendors of these matches, let me know. Because I'd be glad to come there and, and do some speaking in front of that to let people know what people we're dealing with on a weekly, on a weekly basis for myself mm-hmm. and where we're going around. So if I can yeah. ever help anything in Colorado from a national point of view, let me know. I will keep you in mind. Please keep me in mind because I don't get to do a lot of things, but this one's kind of, I've been in that range three times at three different matches and I know how wonderful it is and and, and what it, what the the staff there's great too. Oh man, you know, that's, and that's, what's a shame by the entire thing that has happened that, you know, people don't realize yet we, you know, USPSA could have done this, not have done this. There's a lot of arguments back and forth, but when you get down to this is what this has affected is people that work there. Mm-hmm. Because if there's not a lot of people coming there for matches and that place goes down, then they're going to have to let go of staff. Yeah. And then people are going to lose their jobs. Yeah. And that's not good because, you know, there's not a lot of jobs in that area 
no. already. So to be able to have a place where those eight to 12 people are employed every day, that's, that's the big picture where people actually have a lifestyle and, and, uh, providing for their family that work mm -hmm. out there. So mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, it can have a turnaround quicker than quicker than later, but if I, I can, so too. if I can ever get in a situation to get involved, let me know. So when you first got into competitive shooting, mm -hmm. you know, you shot, you know, did this start in Idaho or did it start in Colorado? Started in Colorado. Okay. Um, yeah, actually, uh, first thing it got me really into, like it was something that I was vaguely aware of. Okay. Uh, and when you mean vaguely aware of like, I'd see some videos or something cool. like on YouTube, be okay. like, Oh man, that's cool. But I had okay. no idea where to even go or where to get started. And okay. it was just, it was a major priority for me in, in, at that time in my life. So it was just like, man, if I, if I could get an opportunity to do that, I'd probably want to do that. I think it'd be a lot of fun to run around and shoot targets real fast. Mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, I heard about this competition called American Marksman which was intended for uh, amateurs and as sort of like a, a gateway to like get amateurs into competitive shooting. And so what they were looking for was, were, were amateur shooters. And by that they had certain, like you couldn't be classified over something, you know, over a certain level in USPSA or IDPA, you couldn't have, you know, won certain level matches in three gun. You couldn't be like receiving money or anything like that through sponsorships and stuff like that. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm definitely an amateur. Let's go do this thing. Mm -hmm. And you shot this local qualifier stage. There was a number of ranges throughout the country that, that hosted it. And it was just on a single target shot with a 22. You could choose a, a rifle, a pistol, either iron sights or, or an optic. And, uh, I went and shot that qualifier stage at my local indoor range and had like the top, I think I shot, uh, open, rimfire pistol and had the top score in the state of Colorado. I was like, Oh wow. That surprised wow. me. You know, like yeah. I didn't expect that. Right. So, uh, uh, that qualified me to go to the state to, or excuse me, to the regional championship, which was held in Colorado, fortunately. Right. And if it hadn't been Colorado, I'll be honest with you, I probably would not have gone. Okay. Cause like Colorado was hosting Colorado competitors and Wyoming and Nebraska and Utah. And I can't remember one or two other States. And so this regional championship occurred. Uh, I shot the regional championship and won. Surprised me again. Wow. So, I mean, again, you got the bug quick up, up to that point. <laughs> I was, uh, just, a you know, I, I, I did more tactical things. I was, as I mentioned, I was working as, you know, as a reserve, uh, uh, officer. I was an instructor, uh, within our, within our agency. And so now all of a sudden I got this competitive side thing going, you know, so that was a lot of fun. The, the regional championship win qualified me to go to nationals, which was the top 32, competitors out of this whole all these regional championships so mm -hmm. 32 competitors went to talladega uh did uh got 10th there i would have liked to done you know done a little better i felt like i could but had a great time i got done with that whole american marksman experience it was actually on outdoor uh channel right there was like two episodes of it i had a little blurb in there it was kind of fun you know <laughs> exactly. and so but yeah I, after that i was like okay and i started shooting three gun because I got connected with with that crowd locally, so that was kind of my my in right. into the local scene. Did three gun for probably three or four seasons, and then you know throughout all of that, I, I got a little bit more familiar with USPSA. Mm -hmm. And in 2019, yeah, it was uh, eight, August 2019. I shot my very first USPSA match. Wow! Um, and I, it was a very like clean cutoff. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm not shooting. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to focus on this. So right. I, I switched over to USPSA, stopped shooting three gun, shot my last 
uh, major match in three gun, which is the Wyoming governor's match. Shot that, then shot a USPSA match. Didn't shoot another one until January 2020. And then, of course, COVID hit shortly after that. Mm-hmm. That threw a little bit of a wrench into, I was like, I was going all in in 2020. I'm going to shoot tons of USPSA. Right. And I fortunately still had, you know, a pretty good number of matches in 2020. Yeah. I, I was I able had 32 to, of them myself that yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. But there was that, that little bit of stretch there, kind of, you right. know, like March to like, early june that was a little bit slower i still win it was cool i was still able to hit uh uh i shot area three that year is my first area match i shot area one that year and then i went to uh to to nationals uh in florida that that was frost proof that year Mm -hmm. uh carry optics shot carry up i've been shooting carry optics this whole time and then i managed to hit area two that that in 2020 as well and then 2021 last year uh, i shot more majors than i shot locals right so i hit for the area championships and nationals. And then, uh, I think there was two level twos that I, or maybe three that I shot that year. And then this year's a little bit slower for me. I've been busier, uh, work wise on the road, teaching classes myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, I'm just shooting area three right. and then going to nationals. Well, there's a lot to un- un- unravel through that cold conversation there that you just discussed. What were you doing for a living when you went to go shoot American marksman? What were you doing then? So that happened just after that was like five or six months in to this venture with concealedcarry.com. Okay. Um, prior to that, I was a construction company owner. Okay. Um, I, that's, that's my background. I, I've got a degree in, in construction management. Mm-hmm. I've worked as a project manager for the federal government. I've worked for, as a project manager for, for small, uh, firms. Mm-hmm. And I've started two different, I, I started a residential home building company back in, Oh six, uh, yeah, oh six, which uh, was really awesome until oh eight right. happened. Of course, <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, about six months into that crash, I, I got out of that business. And then, <laughs> did you think about getting back into it in again once the boom started happening well, again? Yeah, so I've, that's actually what led me to do the stint with the government because there wasn't a lot of construction jobs hiring there for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I I did a three year stint. Uh, the federal government managing federal construction projects. And then I came out of that and started a, a general contracting firm. Wow. And that's what took me up to, uh, you know, I, I, throughout all of that, I was getting into shooting more, becoming an instructor, doing the law enforcement thing on the side. Right. And then I connected with my current business partner and the rest is history. What was the, the mindset when you're in a situation where you're going, okay, I'm shooting. And then all of a sudden, I want to be an instructor. Instructor, explain yeah. that to me because I see a lot of people that do it, but you know, there's a lot of great shooters, but there's not a lot of great trainers. There's some, some of those great yeah. shooters can't train, and that's okay. Yeah. They're just not built that way. But what was your motivation to say I want to be able to train people to how teach? To do this? So my evolution through that is kind of interesting. Uh, first of all, I kind of always knew I liked teaching. Okay. Um, as a concept, uh, I've just always enjoyed that. Uh, I mean, even down, like I've been a Sunday school teacher at church, for okay. instance, you know, and I just always enjoyed that. Uh, but it was not something I wanted to pursue as, as a profession, you know, in the traditional sense. And so uh, back in, I think it was 2010. Yeah, I think it was about 2010. I actually uh, went and took my concealed carry course to get my permit in Colorado. Okay. And I was sitting in that concealed carry class, and uh, I just remember thinking, "I'm like, I could do this. I could teach a concealed carry class." You know? Did you did you think that because you weren't? You think you could do it 
more better? Not more, but it's a horrible word. Do you think you could do it better? Or do you think you could do it, make a difference to get more people's attention? Because they might not yeah. have had your attention. What was it? Well, was it a, no, it wasn't so much that. It okay. was just, a, I just remember sitting there thinking, I'm like, you know, I like gun stuff. I think, you know, you know, I, I thought it was a good class and I was like, oh, you know, I could do this. You know, mm-hmm. I, I knew this was something that this individual, you know, and actually that was my business partner. My, my current business partner was the guy I ended up taking the class from. Right. That's how I first met him. Okay. And, uh, so I just remember thinking, I'm like, I could do this. Like I knew he was doing it on the side. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, oh, I could do that on, you know, a few classes here and there and make a little extra money and, and enjoy doing it. Okay. That's all it was. So I went and uh, got an NRA instructor certificate. Uh, that's where I started. Shortly after that, I joined the the law enforcement reserve. Uh, about a year or so in, th- there was an opportunity that just fell in my lap. They're like, hey, we had somebody that was signed up to go through the post instructor school, week-long school. Um, by that point, I was self-employed again, and, and so I had a little bit more flexibility in the schedule. And it was like a Sunday afternoon. They said, hey, class is tomorrow. We had somebody injure his finger, his, tri- his actual trigger finger, uh, cut it real bad or something. And like, he's not going to be able to go to that school. We need somebody to fill that spot now. And I, I'm like, yeah, I think I can do that. I, I cleared my schedule for the week mm-hmm. and uh, became a post-certified uh, uh, patrol rifle instructor. Just had that opportunity. Enjoyed that experience thoroughly. Uh, enjoyed again teaching about a year or so later. Had the opportunity to go back through for post handgun instructor school, so I did that. And then, uh, it was probably like the next year or so after that, maybe it was two years later that that I joined forces with and I was teaching concealed carry classes and, and basic handgun classes and mm-hmm. a few you know other little things here and there. And then joined forces with my, my business partner. You know, we we kept in touch, and I would teach some classes kind of under his brand, actually, right there for a while. And you know, when when things started taking off for his business, as he started doing more product sales online, he's like, "I need help," and he thought of me. And you know, we sat down together and hashed it out and what what our working relationship would look like. And I came on board. And six months later, I closed out the construction business. Well, I actually left it with my dad, and he kept that going for for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I focused solely on concealedcarry.com and our interests. Right. So that's pretty much the time you made the decision just to be in the farms industry yep. full time at that point. Yep. And continue teaching classes all throughout that. Uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, I start, I, I went through a total revamp of everything I was doing instructor wise mm-hmm. uh, and said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on this one thing. And that one thing for me now is, is, is packaged into my curriculum that I call pistol intelligence. Uh, that's the name of my course. Okay. And why is it called that? Well, you know, when we put together all of the different inputs, you know, available to us, I mean, that's all, that's our five senses, but from a shooting perspective, it's primarily visual vision. is So huge in shooting. When we take all that, those inputs, our brain processes, that information, we make decisions and we act upon those decisions. I mean, that's, that's a display of intelligence and what we, what, you know, we got guys over here shooting right now. Right. 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 And you look at how these people run around safely, drawn out holster real fast mm-hmm. and throwing tar- rounds on targets in a right quick manner. Right. And like you watch this and the broader world just has no clue no. of what's possible, but what it takes to do that is, is, a lot, right. you know, I mean, again, vision and then everything that's going on cognitively is huge. So, um, I had reworked a lot of things and learned a lot of things during all that time of, of uh, reading a bunch of different books and taking classes from other instructors and just putting it all together. And mm-hmm. so 
What I teach now is more focused on teaching people how to see and mm-hmm. how to process inf- visual information better and and then and then how to put that into action you know through efficient shooting and i'm not i'm not perfect at it either but uh i've learned a lot through this and i, I think i'm pretty good at teaching it right and i'm getting better at teaching it who, too. Was your, who was your first training class that you took with on, on moving around shooting uspsa type shooting who was Ooh, that? probably the first like if it, if that can answer that question two different ways uh first real class i took from like a national level instructor was actually mm-hmm. kyle lamb Okay. Of Viking Tactics. And, you know, he used to run some three-gun matches out uh, near Fort Bragg and and was a competitive shooter himself back in the day. Uh, there were some things we did in that class that were, I mean, it was a very tactical So it was more class, of a tactical three-gun type training? But there was some, you know, there were some elements to it that definitely had some some competitive flavor, you know, if you, right. if you know what I mean. Uh, my first real com- competition, at least a class taught by a com- competition shooter, was actually with Rob Latham and Mike Seeklander. Oh, wow. So they're, uh, they do, they have a class called the bigger circle and I went and did that one in 2018, I think it was. Right. And, uh, learned so much in that class. Yeah. Since I know a little bit about those individuals, was it a pretty intense class? Yeah. Based on what, um, well, you're talking three days, right? 18, 1900 rounds is what I shot. I think in three right. days, a lot of shooting, a lot of excellent lecture as well. Uh, it was a great mix. Those two guys do a great job bouncing you know things off of each other and that they work real well together they present it really well and of course they're they're both world-class shooters yes and so uh it was a it was an awesome class wow let's take a quick commercial break and i'm gonna get more into some shooting sports here with raleigh bowman this week's podcast is brought to you by Kana gold Kana gold is a premier lifestyle brand for those who work hard and play harder there are many hemp companies out there that get lost in the crowd, but Kana Gold sets the gold standard with its premier line of products. When traveling all around with a Magical Mystery Tour to different matches, I travel around with lots of different flavors, including pink grapefruit, candy apple, and vanilla cherry. Make sure to stop by and get some for yourself. They are all zero calories, zero sugar, use organic hemp, and are THC and CBD free. Competitive shooters love them because there's no shakes, no headaches, and no crash. When you order from conagoldhemp.com, make sure to use discount code HUNTERSHD for another 20% off. So taking a class with Mike and um, Rob, did they? Did you just go right into IDPA and start shooting that as well? Because they, they were pretty big in IDPA as well. Did they get you into IDPA? I have yet to actually shoot an IDPA match personally, oh, okay. uh, although I've been a member for three years. Maybe more, right? <laughs> uh, partly because I believe in supporting uh, organizations yes. that you know do good good work, and I think IDPA and USPSA and all these organizations do good work. Uh, at some point, I'll probably shoot some IDPA for the experience of it. Uh, I did actually end up rejoining with Rob and Mike in a stage planning class, and I I just saw it listed on their website on uh, Mike's website. You know, as a I think it's literally what it was called as a stage planning course. And I was like, well, I could use some help with stage planning. I didn't think about it at the time. I didn't connect the, the dots there. But what was happening is that course was the day after they finished shooting the Rocky Mountain uh, Regional Championship, IDPA Championship at Cameo. Yeah. And uh, so what, what the class was set up, like they left like three or four stages set up from the IDPA Championship. And we used those stages as our coursework if you will for for the uh stage planning course right and so i get there and i'm like 
yeah, duh. Like we're talking stage planning IDPA style. Okay. Now I still got a lot out of it, even from the USPS, you know, just like stage planning strategies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that whole thing was shot IDPA style. I showed up my USPSA gear, all that. <laughs> but uh, I, I also tend to to always overpack and have redundancies and things like that. And I was like, I can do this. And so I, I set up a, a holster real quick that was IDPA legal, right? Uh-huh. Mounted my belt. I put some pouches on my left hip and I just threw a button shirt over top. That was my, my concealment garment. Okay. And I ran that whole day, you know, through all the different things they had us doing, the stages we, we shot, IDPA style. I did pretty well, actually, uh, and had a good time in that class and thought, you know, I could do this. And at some point, yeah, I'll I'll probably try some IDPA just for kicks and giggles. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Did now you've done based on the when you first started with your other you know, shooting sports and you went to three gun. Going from three gun world where I've traveled around with some three gun, plan on doing a lot more, but rule sets are different mm-hmm. based on regions yeah. and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you jump into USPSA and the rules are like a lot, but they're done for our safety and done for the right sure. reasons. Did you like the rule set? Do you like the rule set based on that? Based on mm-hmm. that, do you think it's like way too much based on what you were used to for three years when you first came in? You understand yeah. it now, but when yep. you first came into it. I mean, certainly there was a learning curve. Um, I mean, the safety part, that was not an issue. Uh, that that all pretty much translated because three guns is the same thing. You know, right. here, here's your 180 and like, don't break that and right. you know, things of that nature. Uh, but there's some other procedural things I definitely had to pick up on. But I will say that actually what brought me into USPSA was the rule set. Okay. Because I, there was, there was, while well, three gun was fun and I enjoyed it and I still would enjoy it. Uh, the, the, there is a challenge. You, you know, you, you want to go shoot a major match in, you know, Phoenix or something, or right. you want to go up to Wyoming or go out to Missouri. Like, yeah, there's some similarities, but there's definitely differences. And like every match, every big match, especially all your major matches, you get, you get the match book sent out, you get the rules. And like, yeah, I'd have to read the rules mm-hmm. every single match mm-hmm. because there would be some minor little tweak that I'd need to know about ahead, in, ahead of time. Right. Right. And so <laughs> I, there was a part of me that certainly would have, I like, I know there's been some effort to do so, but I would have loved to have seen a more of a, of an effort to see a national organization that sank, you know, that uh, sanctioned matches for three gun mm-hmm. on a more national level. So there could be some consistency across the board. Right. Um, that's never, ever quite fully, you know, worked out. Right. So, uh, USPSA rule set was one of the things that brought me to USPSA for the consistency and also for what I would call the standards. Right. And by that, just the, just the whole classification system, the way that works, being able to really know where you're at right. as a shooter. And then also just knowing that as far as handgun shooting, it goes, especially, and also PCC, but especially handgun shooting, you know who the best are and you can go to a major match or you can go to a national championship and you know, you're shooting against the best. Yes. And my primary metric, just evaluating my performance is, how did I do? Like Max, Max is here shooting this match. Exactly, know, Michelle, right? Like, yeah. So to say, you're in carry optics. Yeah, you've got one of the best shooters in the entire world. You're yeah. always competing against. As you know, where where where'd you, where's your classification at now? So I'm master class, master. Okay. Yep. How long did it take you to get there? Oh, a little more than a year. Let's see. Well, about it, maybe a year and a half. Okay. Uh, I'd probably make 
faster advancement if I actually shot some classifiers from right. time to time. Uh, like well, I mentioned in 2021, I shot more majors than I shot local. Well, there's a debate there as well. Some yeah. people are, are um, GNs because they've never, you know, all they did was shoot classifiers sure. and they don't, yep. they haven't really done that up against the, you know, the major competitors to get there and yep. to earn that against the competitors and get the bumps yep. when that happens through being at nationals or being at major area matches when when the GMs are there, yep. that says something to itself. So yep. there's two different ways to look at that. You know, you, if you're not searching for a title, then you're like, I want to earn this based on going against the best. That's yep. a that's a different mindset that a lot of people respect. Well, so. and to that point, actually, I do. I am proud of, and I have the distinction of that. I initially classified as B class in uh, early 2020. I and I have the distinction of earning all additional. Uh, bumps bumps up mm -hmm. in classification from either match performance as far as match bumps, which right. I think the first one came after area one in 2020. I got bumped up to A right. after my performance uh, there. And then uh, it was the following spring after area six that uh, that I got bumped up to master class. Right. And uh, at one time I had three or four of my classification scores were from major match scores or classifier shot at majors, including, right. you know, class, new classifier in uh, uh, 2020 at uh, nationals. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was kind of proud of that fact that most, you know, I got to master class pretty much off of major match performance. Right. Uh, and now it's a lot harder to do that to get the GM. Yeah. So uh, this year, my goal was I'm going to shoot a lot more locals because I knew I was going to be able to be out on the road as much on the, on, for the majors. Right. And shoot more classifiers and try to work on that G card. Okay. But, uh, I've been too busy to shoot as many locals as I would have liked. And I, and I get that. It makes perfectly <laughs> good sense. Now, you doing concealed, concealed carry classes, and you get people coming in that are new gun owners a lot. You may get some people come in wanting more experience that are experienced. But are you seeing everybody – you shoot carry optics yourself. Mm -hmm. If you had to give a number from, you know, percentage out of 100 people – of those hundred people, how many do you see coming in already with a red dot on their gun yeah. now? Now, to be clear, I haven't really done many concealed carry classes the last three years or okay. so. Okay. Uh, I do occasionally once, but mostly at request or uh, set up as a, as a private affair, which okay. sometimes happens. But uh, at concealedcarry.com, we actually do have instructors in a variety of markets across the country that teach okay. under our brand. And... Also, we run the uh, we run a, a training conference in Oklahoma City each year uh, called the Guardian Conference. That's coming up next month. Actually, the uh, what I see is yes, I I'd say at our training conference last year, at least forty percent. Oh, that's at least low. forty percent. I, I, I would think people, that was low. You know, and that's primary people bringing their carry gear to that right. conference. Right. Uh, at least forty percent, and now, might these be are more. people that do not. They're coming in for their. What's their education level coming into this conference as far as everything from beginners to more advanced? Wow. Um, we try to have classes that that can cover the gamut as far as that's concerned. That we, we send out a survey to our attendees and we get some information ahead of time as far as like how much training they've done in the past, what classes they've taken, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And then based on that survey data, the first day they, you know, there are some people that we've identified that are going to go through our most basic courses on day one. It's a three-day training conference. 
And so they're going to do the basic courses on Friday and make sure that they're safe, make sure they learn how to draw safely and, you know, do basic gun handling and manipulation safely. They get through their day one, they, they can start doing some of the, a little bit, you know, he- heavier stuff on, on day two and day three. And it worked out really well for us last year. Uh, but we got some more advanced folks too. So we've, we've got some classes to support them, including some, some low light training that we do uh, as part of that training conference. And we got all kinds of things. We got, we got courses on legal training, you know, legal, understanding your laws, use of force laws, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, courses on uh, use of least, less, le- less lethal products. So mm-hmm. OC spray or pepper spray, right. uh, managing unknown contacts, hand to hand combatives. Uh, I put on a class last year that was a little bit more competition focused. We had tons of tactical courses as well. So we wanted to kind of cover all the different, you know, disciplines, if you will, at this at this training conference, the Guardian Conference. So on the at the Guardian Conference, do you have like an introduction to the shooting sports to talk about the shooting sports? Yeah, that's pretty much why I did the the one competition class. Okay, that, that's really what it was intended for. It was actually I think called Intro to comp- Competitive Shooting. So it wasn't anything too crazy. Had a basic stage set up, mm-hmm. you know, nothing super hard, but but a little bit of you know move and shoot and reload and that kind of thing. What do people think about that? Oh man, they had a blast. I think uh, I actually put that course on two times, a four hour block. And I had uh, like 12 and one and 15 and the other or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they, everybody that came out of that enjoyed it. And I just bumped into a guy at my last local match that wow. I shot that I that was at the conference and mm-hmm. went through that course with me, got his little introduction and now he's shooting USPSA like a like a madman. He's hitting all the matches he can match. That you know, is make. so cool. So it was, it was really so cool, cool to see that. You know, and I know there's some others that have sent me messages and things like, "Thanks for what you taught me and you got me mm-hmm. started." And so we'll be doing some of that as well. Well, I want to do a quick plug for them. But what, what can how can people help out with the Guardian Conference? You know, tell people how to do that real quick because I want people to know mm-hmm. if this is a way to get people to learn about different things like you ca- talked about and. The shooting sports, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. So how can people be a part of that? Well, we'd do? love to just we'd love to have people there. Uh guardianconference.com is a website. And or, you know, certainly sponsorships are all also welcome. Right. So uh we've got uh we've got a number of great sponsors already. Uh but uh yeah, we we'd love to see people there or get the word out. Yeah, you know, that's let, let people know Oklahoma City. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we'll have a hundred plus people in attendance this, mm-hmm. uh, three day event. Uh, we've got a dozen or so world class instructors mm-hmm. of a variety of backgrounds. Uh, you can kind of pick and choose from a lot of different courses and, and, and take the things that you have interest in, uh, within reason. Like we obviously, we, and the way this works is people are going to get a survey to, hey, these are the courses available. You need to, prioritize these give us a priority list this, mm-hmm. this is the stuff i want and where possible we give people what they want uh it worked out really well last year and everybody had a great time have you seen a big push with attendance based on what's happening in the major cities and what's happening on news cycles that get people engaged of how to use a yeah. firearm more have you seen a big we boost? see some of that we see some of that absolutely uh we've seen you know a few signups that have come in for the con- conference too uh that you know Something happened in Texas or Indiana or wherever, and next thing you know, you got people uh, people coming. Is there plans to make this in other parts of the United States as well? We've talked about that. So right now, it's a one, once a year event. Uh, it's the 
second or third weekend of September, it's 16th to the 18th of September. We did it the same weekend last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, that means I'm going to go to Carry Optics Nationals a week before yeah. <laughs> I get home. I got one day home and then phew, right off to the Guardian Conference. But uh, uh, we've, we've talked about, you know, if it uh, continues to pick up steam and, and grows, uh, that we would add an, another date and another location. You know, maybe something in the spring, something in the fall, mm-hmm. maybe two, diff- two different locations and uh, try to have some options for people. Why Oklahoma? So we, we needed a, a range facility large enough to host a, a three-day large-scale training event. Uh, we wanted it close to a major airport okay, for ease of travel. And we wanted it also somewhat centrally located in the country also for, for those that wanted to drive mm-hmm. travel-wise. And that, that has worked really well. Nice. So far. Is um, the live fire training, so it's definitely part of it mm-hmm. as well. Is it indoor or outdoor? It's all outdoor. It's all outdoor? Yep. Okay. Yep. We do have, like I said, we have some uh, hand-to-hand combatives coursework that's uh, taught in an indoor uh like they have a big clubhouse facility there that's that's where that's done all the shootings done outdoors we have a couple other classes that are more lecture oriented that are in, in smaller buildings women that want to get involved mm-hmm. you got a lot of women that come to this class as well yeah we had oh we had a good number of, of women there last year actually a, a real strong showing on the women uh side of things uh probably 20, 25%. Wow. Which was, which was good to see. And, and, and minorities. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause they're, 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 they're growing. Mm-hmm. Um, those two demographics are growing just way faster than others and in, in being new gun owners. Mm-hmm. So that's huge that you're reaching absolutely. out to them as well. So that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I met your business partner this past, um, NRA show mm-hmm. down in Houston yep. and, um, Jacob. Yep. Jacob. I remember that. Thank you. And it's one of those things where I didn't, you know, put everything together because I'm so just going all the time myself. That was so cool. Yeah. How, you know, how's y'all's relationship been since you, you know, tied in together and been working together through this process? You have the pretty much the same sites or do you go different ways to try to reach more people? What does that look like with you and him? Yeah, we have a great working relationship. Uh, I, I was, I should say he was wary getting into a partnership. I was where you're getting into the partnership. We've both been in partnerships before in the business world that have maybe not worked out. It's very greatest. scary. Uh, but he and I have known each other for more than a decade now. And it was kind of interesting. You know, when he came to me and said, Hey, I need you to come work with me. He, he basically said, I, I was like, kind of like why, you know, and, and one of the reasons why he wanted me was because he said, I'm his opposite. Okay. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. That's pretty cool. You think that that, I see where this is going. You know, Keep going. But he's like, where I'm weak, you're strong and vice versa mm-hmm. in terms of you're really good at you know certain things and I'm really good at other things. And we need to put that together to kind of try to get the whole package as far as, you know, organizing and, and running this company. And so that was his logic. And you would think that that might mean that things don't uh, maybe work out uh, because maybe we don't see eye to eye. But that's also true. But uh, we, we have open communication, mm-hmm. uh, we have disagreements and we work that crap out. But to be able to, that, that's huge that you're doing that because if you have somebody that agrees with you all the time mm-hmm. and you never have any d- discussions or, 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 or discussions that aren't comfortable, then you can't challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's so cool that you do that. Cause that's wonderful. That's the reason yeah. why I've chosen who I've chosen for the people that work around me because we're different generations and I need to be challenged because yeah. I've been doing sales for 
20 years. And if, if something's different or marketing is different, I need to know. Yep. I can't be, I can't have a yes man around me all the time. Yep. So, but we have to also be on the same, like the one thing we have to be on the same page about is what's best for the company. Right. Right. And, and, and making decisions for the company and for our employees and not for personal gain. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that he and I are 100% completely on board about. I'm right. completely committed to the company. He's completely committed to the company. We're completely committed to each other. And it's sort of like managing a marriage. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, which I already have one of those to take care of, too. <laughs> and, and and sometimes uh, Jacob gets compared to is sort of being my my work wife. I got you know? it. I got it. <laughs> but uh, that's that's the way it's got to be. And, and, and to make all that work out, uh, we've got to be completely committed. And part of that commitment means you work out the things that are difficult to work out. Mm-hmm. And you got to have open communication. And, and we, we take the same approach too with uh, the folks that we hire that work mm-hmm. for us. They got to be completely, completely committed. And that's actually the most important thing. Uh, we don't hire based on, qual- on only qualifications or experience or background, like not just the resume sheet, mm-hmm. but like that's, that's important. They got to have some basic qualifications, but also in our interview process, the questions that we ask our guys are probably some of the questions are probably ones they've never heard before. Okay. In a job interview, because it's okay. it's more about who are you as a person, and is that going to jive with what we do and how we do it, and you know the overall culture of things. That's that's far more important, and we believe that if we have the right people on board on our team, that we can we can train them because mm-hmm. they're because one of the qualities we gotta we gotta have is a willingness to learn, right, for our people, and if they're willing to w- learn and they put in all the effort they need to, to, to learn their job and do their job, they're going to be able to do it and be able to figure it out. Makes sense. And if, and if they can't, because of some other, whatever limitation, as long as they have the right attitude, the right culture, everything, the right values, we'll plug them in somewhere else. So we've certainly have done that too. Right. You know, does your wife help in this industry at all with you? No, she, and I don't know that she really has much uh, interest either. Uh, I think she's perfectly happy uh, at least as of right now mm-hmm. to, uh, to let me do my thing. She does her thing. She's a math teacher, uh, actually going back and, uh, working on her master's degree in math education starting, starting, uh, next month. Has she always been a, a fan of guns or is that something you had to educate her on? I would, uh, fan might be a strong word. She's not, a, she's not anti-gun at all. Okay. But, uh, she's, I, she's not a fanatic like us buying but guns all the time. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she's gone shooting with, you know, like we've done a couple of date nights over the years, you know, right. like, what should you do for a date this week? Oh, and, and she surprised me a couple of times. She's like, let's go shooting. Wow. Okay. And, you know, for her, I think it's just that she's accommodating me and she knows that's something I would enjoy doing. She's prepared to take care of the house and you're not there, though. She does a great job. She's a wonderful mother. As far as self-defense. Is what and, I mean, I would, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Well, that, she, she she's a mama bear. Good. I got five little, well, I should say not so little. How many kids you have? I have five kids. I thought I didn't think you could own a gun after you've lost your credibility of having that many kids. That's insane to me. Yeah, you did five. Yep. Okay, I didn't know you were Catholic. You know, I am not actually. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I, that's I'm a joke. Not, I, said. But, I have uh, one kid. I, I was, I was I one be. and done. But the Catholic thing, I, I give that joke a lot to people that have multiple kids. Yeah. I've got a lot of friends that have multiple kids, and I give them a hard time. So. I'm, I'm you know gonna, I, after the podcast I will I will give you a hard time every time I see you from now on because anybody that my sister had five kids yeah. she's a lunatic she's I, would, a, I would not give her a gun at all so she's just <laughs> insane no, I'm just kidding <laughs> but no it's yeah. it, it is a you, lot of you fun. know the the thing that got me the first thing I started doing 
you know, beyond a casual gun ownership and shooting, plinking, a little bit of hunting that right. I've done in my life was uh, when my son was, when I was, when we were expecting our first child, I remember thinking, it's like, hmm, I can take care of myself generally. I can take care, my wife can take care of herself generally. We can okay. take care of each other generally. But now we have this third being, you know, that we got to, we got, I got to make sure that I'm there to protect this kid and he's got to grow up. Yeah. And uh, that's when I, that was sort of like this life-changing moment. And I went and got my first like true handgun for concealment purposes, got my permit, started carrying. So it was your first gun like that was an emotional purchase then. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it wasn't my, it wasn't my first, first gun, but, but, I mean, but, but just like to be able to carry gun, to realize yeah. that yeah. was more an emotional situation. Yeah. Now, how old is he now? He's 15. Has he? He'll be 16 in uh, two, three weeks. Have you got him into steel challenge or any of the shooting sports so far? Has he had any interest or is it kind of like, I want to be doing something totally opposite of what dad does. and don't want anything to do with it. He enjoys it. He loves oh, guns. Wonderful. He loves shooting. However, he's not, uh, it's not his passion. Okay. Uh, it's, it's something he enjoys. So he shot a couple matches with me, not USPSA. It was back when I was still shooting three gun. Okay. And I was like, Hey, would you like to try this? And he's like, yeah. So he shot a couple of three gun matches with me. He's come with me to matches. In fact, was it last year? Maybe I know at least two years ago at area three, he came out just, uh, just to spend time with me and, he worked his butt off the whole match, yeah. pasting targets, resetting still, and he enjoyed just being here and doing that. Right. Um, he didn't want to shoot it, uh, but he shot a couple local matches, did pretty well, you know. Um, and what I told him, I said, hey, if this is something that you want to do, you want to pursue it, like, I will support that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, but you're going to have, you're, you know, you're going to have to show some initiative and you're going to have to show that you're interested in it. and Mm-hmm. put in some effort and we can, you know, he, he knows how to reload a little bit. And I said, yeah, you can work that thing. And as long as you're safe, like you can load up your ammo, we can, we can shoot. Mm-hmm. And he did it for a little while and then it just sort of petered out. So I, I could see that it wasn't his passion, right? He's very, uh, technologically savvy. Oh, wow. So, uh, programming, uh, building computers, mm-hmm. uh, software, networking you name it if it's got if it's got a battery and a and a screen that lights up like right. that's his that's his jam that's what he's passionate about so so we uh we've thrown ourselves in behind him on that because uh that's where he shows his his strengths and his talents and what he wants to do and uh then my uh second child my first daughter she she has very little interest in guns uh she shot a little bit mm-hmm. but not her thing uh, my middle child, my second daughter, she thinks guns are pretty awesome. Okay. Uh, How old like, is she now? She's 11. Okay. So I'd like to get her into maybe some shooting sports. We've mm-hmm. had that just, you know, conversation. I don't know whether she wants to do that, but she does enjoy shooting guns. In fact, Zombies in the Heartland match a couple of years ago, she came out, the family came out with me to that, and they had a, a demo bay. Yeah. And uh, I think it was, uh, Oh, I forgot what company it was, but they had a couple of full autos. She was like five or six years old. <laughs> and she's like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the guy working that bay was like, are you okay with that? I'm like, I'm okay with it. If, you know, he's, he's like, you can help her or I'll help her, and, you know, whatever. And so I was like, I'm, I'm going to film her. Why don't you help her? So, <laughs> That's right. so he was there kind of hold on to the gun with her. She put her hand on the grip. She fired off a couple rounds and then switched it to full auto. And then she went turn and her <laughs> big old grin. She's like, that was cool. And then she just mag dumped the rest, you right. know, full auto. She's like five and a half years old at the time. Right. She thought that was awesome. That's so cool. Um, 
but I don't know if she's if she wants to get into competitive shooting or not or or shooting sports. Uh, but it's something that's uh, on the table. Are the kids homeschooled or public schools? A public. And the reason I ask that question is because they're in a situation with what what your dad do for a living. Well, mm-hmm. he works around guns, and all of a sudden that conversation gets mm-hmm. started. And education is key. Mm-hmm. And has she ha- have had any of your kids had those conversations at school where they may have not have gone the way they thought it was going to go, or based on the school system? Or I, I don't that, think I don't think we've had any negative conversations. Good. Okay. Uh, and they're pretty smart. Okay. Uh, they they know. You know, we've had conversations about like mm-hmm. you might not want to say certain things. You know, okay. or at least you want to maybe say some things in certain ways. Right. Because, and, and they get that. They get that. And. You know, my wife and I are really proud of our kids and, uh, th- you know, somehow we've done some things right and they're great kids and they're so smart and they're so like, they see a lot of the problems in the world and I'm glad that they see and recognize, you know, what some of those problems are and challenges are and, right. that, and that's, that I, I'd like to think my kids are going to work for good, you know, in this world. Very cool. Um, and so, yeah, we have conversations all the time. They're like, you know, about, about gun stuff, anti-gun, you know, legislation. They're mm-hmm. like, that's so dumb, dad, you know, and <laughs> here's why. Like, that's the cool thing is my kids can articulate, you know, why right. certain laws are, are bad laws, you know, and things. So, yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, we we chose public education uh, because even though my wife's an educator. Yes. Uh, and she could certainly, she's well qualified to teach them at home. But it's for her sanity. <laughs> I, oh, I get it. I definitely. There's no way. I had one, and there's no, no go. Leave. She's like, I'll teach other other people's kids. I don't exactly. want to teach my own. No, I need a break. In fact, she, we just had that conversation like two days ago because they start school next week, <laughs> and she's like, "I'm done with summer summer break. I can't wait for next week. I am done, done, done. Ready for them to go back to school." That's right. Had 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 four too many. That's what happens. <laughs> well, you know, we, I, when we got married, we agreed to four. Oh, came, wow. She came from a family. Four. I came from family four. We were, you know, courting and we were yeah. getting to know each other. And yeah. Like, How many kids do you want to have? I'm like, I think four is a good number. She's like, me too. I'm like, oh, great, great. Ugh. We had four. <laughs> and uh, then all of a sudden she's like, I want one more. And I was like, we agreed to four. No, we didn't. We said five. <laughs> There's a contract somewhere. Give me a second. I've got paperwork here. This is no, you signed somewhere for. <laughs> yeah, we had one more. And his name's Peter. And yeah. he's a little. Spitfire of a kid, redhead, curly haired, oh, wow. full of energy. Oh my goodness! And you, you're, that's the one he he, he brings uh, us a lot of joy. Yeah, but also so. a lot of headache. Yeah, if you'd had him first, you never had the others. I probably <laughs> understand. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's what you get. That's yep. The fifth one's that that, that serves <laughs> you right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, you know, when did you decide you wanted to? You know do a podcast what did that look like mm. for you because that's you know that's how i found out about you before i even you know met yep. you in person a few well, months after we started after jacob and i came came together mm-hmm. uh, i was like hey should we, we should do a podcast about concealed carry okay and he was like what <laughs> it was not on his radar at all right uh, i was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time uh in fact during the time i was running my construction businesses uh i used to like to listen to podcasts while i while i worked or while I drove, I mean, I had to crisscross the Denver metro area on a daily basis to various job sites and things. And so mm-hmm. I'd listen to podcasts. And uh, yeah, I listened to podcasts on uh, photography, science-related stuff, history stuff, just stuff I had interest in. And I said, you know, one thing that there's not a lot of is a podcast about concealed carry. Right, specifically. Yeah. And, he, and I was like, I bet it would do really well if we, if we started that. 
And he was kind of hesitant, but we decided to do a test. So mm-hmm. we, we recorded 10 episodes. Uh, we launched those episodes. That was uh, February of 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2016. And now uh, six, seven years later, over 600 episodes. Wow. Uh, I, I haven't checked our download numbers in a while because I just... Mm-hmm. I. They're, they're good and I just I don't need to watch them like a hawk anymore I'm not right. I'm not you know in the early days you're like oh how many do we get this episode how many do we get this month you know right. uh, but we've I think we're probably over seven, 7 million downloads of the podcast which wow. in the podcast world that's especially that's in a niche yeah that's huge like ours is, is pretty is a good number so we've we were it's probably one of the biggest things we're proud of uh, and, and the uh, number of people that we've been able to reach Mm-hmm. Uh, and also affect positively has been uh, tremendous. Uh, the feedback has been awesome. And uh, it, it's the emails that I get that somebody s- sends me and they're like, you know, a year ago I was just getting, you know, something happened and I decided to carry a gun. Right. I didn't know anything. And I found your podcast and thank you for leading me down this journey in the right direction. You it's know, a, and that's it's a it's, very good feeling, right? Yeah. You know, and wow. that's, I, I got a, folder full of emails that uh sometimes if, if you're having one of those days you're just like i need to pick me up just go read some of those emails or reviews or whatever and and you just know that uh, you've affected somebody's life in a positive way uh that was uh certainly that was a desire but also is a a nice des- a nice thing to add to the business and mm-hmm. another way to reach customers so there's it, that side too and that's it is nice because <laughs> it's when, a win-win. When, you, when you're a business owner <laughs> there's nobody always around to pat you on the back mm-hmm. it's one of those things the business owner you, you you have to be self-motivated because there's nobody always just saying good job because you're it mm-hmm. you know there's no nobody there but to be able to get that feedback from um potential customers or customers or listeners, whatever that is, that that's a motivation that keeps me going as a business owner. I'm, I'm sure it's your motivation as well, just based yeah. on what you said. This is, it's wonderful. Do you have, um, any other plans for the future of what's going on next with, um, what you're doing? Wow. Uh, so some of the let me talk a little bit about some of the brands that we own and manage. Please. Uh, a couple of years ago, we acquired Range Tech Shot Timers. Okay, it was a very basic uh, uh, pro- product in the beginning. It still is. We are going through a major redesign of that okay. right now. Uh, version 2.0 will be awesome. What and, is going to make it awesome? Can you talk about it, or you want to let people just go to the website and figure it out? Because I'm fine with that. If you don't want to release what's well, awesome, yet, I'm not. I'm not but, saying all the details, right. okay. but. Uh, you know, we got into Range Tech shot timers because it was a budget-friendly shot timer. Okay. We did a survey a few years back, and you know, we, we recognize the value of a shot timer for yes. training purposes. Obviously, we have to use it in competition as well. But for training purposes, dry fire or live fire, a shot timer is a var- is a valuable tool. Yes. That's something we identified at concealedcarry.com and as instructors that this is something we wish more people had because they can use it to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the average gun owner, the average concealed carrier, the average, you know, whatever person that has a gun does not, they like right, shot timer. What, what's that? Exactly. They don't even know what it is. Mm-mm. And if they do, and the survey we sent out was, do you have a shot timer? Do you know what a shot timer is? If you don't have a shot timer, why? And uh, uh, there was a couple of key things, but one of the biggest factors of people that knew about the existence of shot timers and knew that they probably should have one or could have one and use it effectively. The reason they didn't have it was because of cost. 120 bucks, 130 bucks, 160 bucks. 
you know, or 200 bucks now, you know, one of the, the new uh, popular models that's out there now. So, which us as competitors giggle about when we hear that price because it's like, oh, no big deal. Give me one of those. Yeah, I, want, I every, want the best. Everything's so expensive in the shooting world. Yeah. But you're reaching people yep. that are not in the competitive shooting world yep. that don't understand that there's $10,000 guns yeah. to run around with in the sport. Right. So, so, uh, Range Tech Shot Timers came out with that, uh, uh, product and uh, seventy five bucks for a shot timer. Wow! Now the 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 thing there was, and it was kind of innovative at the time. Was uh, it didn't have it doesn't have a display on it. Okay. Because part of that project was, and this was before AMG Labs One existed, mm-hmm. anything like that. That came shortly after. But it was, what if we had a shot timer that connected via Bluetooth to a phone to an application? And that's how Range Tech was born. And so, with the Range Tech shot timer. Uh, you buy a shot timer, you download our free app for 75 bucks. You got a, sh- a working shot timer that, that legit works. Uh, and all your data goes onto the phone, into the application. And you can save and store that data. Does it work in conjunction at the same time your video camera is working? It can. It depends on the, on the, on the phone. But that's something that, that would be my first objection because mm-hmm. as a person wanting to videotape something, but I've got to have my phone for the shot mm-hmm. timer. So mm-hmm. is that an objection you've the, overcome? It is. It is something that's a yeah. It, there's a, there will be a, re, a rework of the application nice. that will make some of that even easier than it has been in the past. Very cool. Uh, I typically go to the like what I've told some people: go to Amazon, buy one of their like forty dollar tablets, mm-hmm. and make that your shot timer device. Well, it's actually want, bigger as well, and you put it up on a table and see it from a exactly. distance. Exactly. That makes it even better. I get a little simple tripod mount. Yeah, because there's another company out there that used to have a board where mm-hmm. you can see your times. But if you can actually have your own tablet for 40 bucks and see your, you're walking around with a portable board. Stick it on a cheap tripod mount. This makes so much sense. Put it sense. slightly down range. That's so cool. Do your thing and you shoot your targets. And look it's right over there. At it. It's right there. Yep. So, uh, but the shot timer hardware itself is being re- reworked right now. Very cool. Uh, and uh, I'm excited about what that's going to look like on the other side. Neat. So, Very cool. I'm we'll excited to the to next level, well. but still be budget friendly. Yeah, because you know how, you know, competitors are, you know, very like need this, need that, need that. Need, I mean, just, you'll get all the information you want coming to a match in one weekend yep. <laughs> on a shot timer. That's for sure. Yep. What other brands are you dealing with? Uh, so uh, we got Mountain Man Medical, which is a medical and trauma kit line we launched that in uh, february 2020 and that has been our fastest growing uh business segment uh over the last couple years it's been crazy because people are getting a little bit more tuned in on stuff like well i can carry a gun for personal defense but what's more likely using a gun in a self-defense situation Mm -hmm. or coming up across a automobile accident where somebody's had their arm almost taken off and i can just throw on a tourniquet or something and, and help them out. Is, this is all under the same website. Mm-hmm. You can find everything at, yes, at concealcarry.com. But okay. we also have uh, brand-specific websites, mountainmedical.com, okay. rangetechtimer.com. Uh, we just acquired, in June, ksgarmory.com, which is a holster company. Really? Mm-hmm. And what type of holsters? Primarily concealment holsters. Okay. So, but we may do some competition stuff in the future. Have you thought about getting into the shooting sports side of it a little bit to reach more people as well? Or is that kind of, you you know, really bring people into the shooting sport based on what they're doing with you first? And because there's well, definitely a, a plan of action. I think, for that. The, I think Range Tech Shot Timers is, is one of those things we've, we've reached a little bit, like we've actually sponsored a couple of matches. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably would do more of that when we get to version 2.0 released. Right. Um, well, I look forward to, let me help with that. Yeah. Because I don't have anything that, you know, I'd like to be able to help with that if I can. So when you get some stuff, a product after the range timers, I'll, I'll travel all of them. So let people look at them. Yeah. I'll have some, I'll, I'll buy some from you and put them out there, let people use them and go shoot with them. So yeah. 
I'll have yeah. some fun with that. I'll help promote that. That's yep. kind of cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. Um, yeah. So making holsters now. That's been, that has taken over my life the last six, seven weeks. Make- so we've, we, we bought the company. The company was based in Texas. We moved everything up to Colorado to our shop there. And uh, now the leather Kydex. Kydex. Oh, yeah. you're in the Kydex business? Yep. Ugh. <laughs> I've been to some places that make codex. That's a that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of. Uh, it's dusty. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. uh, we got a little. That's we got a, a space that, set that's up a in our very, shop for that now. And, and I've, I've, there's there's wonderful codex companies out there, and mm-hmm. I work with a bunch of them yep. because one of those things they're very regional. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 if if you're in a certain area, they're, they're I've noticed that codex or any holster company for that matter is is a regional yep. thing that dominates that way. Yep. So. Wow. Yep. This was an opportunity that kind of fell in our laps. This was a gentleman that wanted to get out of the business. Right. He has a, a, a pretty decent following already. Right. Uh, again, it's more on the concealment, more defensive tactical side of things. Right. Uh, but, you know, he didn't have the heart or maybe even the expertise to grow that brand or on a national it takes level. A lot. It takes a lot. Uh, whereas we're pretty strong with our ability to market things. And mm-hmm. so we, uh, uh, we saw that as an opportunity. Very so cool. We already had manufacturing uh, stuff in-house. Uh, so we, hey, we'll just add that to the, all right, to the mix. Uh, did you buy stock in Dremel before you did it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have. Exactly. <laughs> what, yeah. any other brands are on the website? Uh, Barrel Block, BarrelBlock.com. It's, uh, with a K, Barrel Block, that's B-L-O-K.com, uh, is a safety device. Like you just, it's just for dry fire primarily. So really? insert a barrel block into your gun when you're doing dry fire, make it a little extra safe. I love it. That's uh, very important. It's just a simple polymer rod mm-hmm. in size to the uh, chamber, you know, nine millimeter, 380, 40, 45. I think we have 357 SIG. Um, but yeah, you can buy one of those inserted in the chamber of your gun. That's what I use when I do, when I do dry fire at home. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, I st- uh, you still want to follow safety rules, obviously, of but course. it's just an extra layer of safety. I know that's probably not as, as big a deal for some, some people, but you know, we sell, we sell a lot of barrel blocks because people are cluing into that, you know, and it usually happens because they're doing dry fire one day and they make an oopsie and they put a hole through a wall and they're mm-hmm. like, Ooh, oh, I've, I've heard of stories about this happening to people and it's not this very, um, yep. it's, 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 it's very scary. Yep. So, so the next day they're on barrelblock.com buying a barrel blocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good deal. <laughs> Well, that any other things you, you do? That's a lot on the website. I, I like it. Yeah, uh, right up gear probably be the. I think that's the final one, uh, which is more of a um, accessories uh, product line for us right. or brand for us. So, uh, range bags, ear pro. Um, golly, we got dummy rounds. People yeah. want dummy rounds. We have some great ones that 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 are made for us that uh, that we distribute that are great stuff like that. So that that's kind of you know we we these a lot of these have been acquisitions but right. just a uh, part of our plan for world domination at concealedcarry.com. I love it. I love <laughs> it. That, I, I'm very that's exciting to hear because all this has happened since 16 sounds like yeah. and um it seems like you're on the right path in in a market that's that fluctuates with the politics it does. but it's one of those things when um when I got started with um Hunters HD Gold we had a had a Republican president and everybody wasn't worried about buying guns so they were buying accessories mm-hmm. and then when everybody when it changed everybody wants to buy guns and they didn't buy accessories as much so it's a <laughs> it's a fluctuating every every four year term or four to eight year swing we things see I've that noticed too. so you yep. see it as well yes yep. um anything we left off that's so cool yeah uh and you know just uh i appreciate you having me on the podcast here 
I uh, love what you guys do. Love what you do. Thank you. You're all your sport of shooters, the shooting sports, all the events. I don't know how you do what you do, but I, I see the passion you have for it and the yes. enjoyment for it. Yes. And uh, that's, that's an amazing thing to see. Well, I really appreciate that. And what you're doing with education and everything is, it's huge because you're living in a state where you're under fire every day. I listen mm-hmm. to Michael Bain's podcast mm-hmm. and he's up in the north, north mm-hmm. of you. And he, he says it all the time, we're under attack mm-hmm. and it's, we, you, we got to educate and you yeah. got, I guess one way to educate is have five kids and do it that way. But ugh, I didn't go that route, but there's other ways to educate as well with concealedcarry.com and all the stuff you're doing. And what was the name of the, um, the um, annual event you're doing again? It's the Guardian Conference. Guardian Conference, because yep. I definitely want to get a, I want to get more information from you that off air. Absolutely, and, and help be a part of that myself. Absolutely. Anytime there's a situation with education, I want to be a part of it. Just like we all join the different organizations that are out there to help support them, because we can't be everywhere, but we can always help support you where we can. So, well, Riley, thank you so much for everything, and thank you, thank you so much for watching or listening to Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens. And until next time. We'll see you at the range soon. Thanks, brother. Thank you.